say? Um, ah. I got a lot of scriptures I'm going to go through. So you can just write them down because I'm going to tell them to you as we start out and then we'll get into the sermon for today. Then the Bible talks a lot about running. I personally do not like to run. Many times I got into a lot of fights, not because I was tough, but because I'm just not going to run. I'm just too tired, and I just don't feel like running. You know, if you're a Dahima or Frank, who's going to be running the New York Marathon in a couple of weeks, more power to you. Amen to you. 26 miles. I don't even like driving 26 miles. And you are willingly going to drive, run 26 miles. Amen. I wish you guys the best. But the Bible talks a lot about running. So you can just look at the screen for these scriptures as we go through, because I'm going to go through them pretty fast. Proverbs 18. Uh, sorry. Second Timothy 24. No, no, I'm just playing. I had to throw that in there. Second Timothy 24. What is this? My bad. Proverbs 18, verse 10. Proverbs 18.10 says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous will run to it and are safe. The righteous will run to where God is because that's where safety is. 1 Corinthians 9.24 says, Do you not know that in a race all runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. And here Paul is talking about our, our Christian journey. Our walk with God. We need to run in such a way to get the heavenly prize. Isaiah 10 verse 3. What will you do on the day of reckoning? When disaster comes from afar. To whom will you run for help? Where will you leave your riches? Isaiah specifically asked the question. To whom will you run when disaster comes? Now later on in, that, in the book of Isaiah, he answers the question in Isaiah 40, verse 30 and 31. It says, even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Where do we get our strength from? From the Lord. It's not about us. It's about God. And then Paul even pleased with the Galatians. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 7, it says, You were running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. It says, You were running a good race. You were running a race to make it to heaven. But somebody came in there and cut in on you. You know, that's one of the most frustrating things. When you're actually running, trying to run, and you're on the track, and you're out there, and you're, you're footing it, you're doing your best, and somebody cuts in on you and kind of messes you up a little bit, causes you to stumble. And they still running, so you can't, like, do nothing but try to catch up. Those things are hard. Somebody can come in and interfere with your run towards the prize of making it to heaven. And then one of the greatest statements about running is in Hebrews 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. It says, let us run with perseverance. That means it's going to be challenging times. It's going to be good times. 
There's going to be highs and lows. We need to run with perseverance. Keep on running. Then there's a prophet in the Old Testament that we would call the running prophet. And this is what I want to talk to us about today. So turn over to the book of Jonah with me. The book of Jonah. And we're going to take a look at what the Bible calls the running prophet. We're going to read the whole book of Jonah. There's only four chapters. And there's going to be four points. That's not a lot of chapters. Who said, wow, that ain't that many chapters. They're not very long. See, some of y'all don't think I hear everything. I can hear a lot of stuff over here. But there's four chapters because there's four specific things about Jonah that I believe we can learn. Jonah chapter 1, we'll start in verse 1. Even the title tells you something here. Jonah flees from the Lord. That tells you something right there. He's running already as we start out. Verse 1 says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed to Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea. And such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God. And they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck, where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went in, went to him and said, How can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will notice us and will not perish, and we will not perish. Then the sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him, Tell us, who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? He answered, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. This terrified them, and they asked, What have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told him so. The sea was getting rougher and rougher, so they asked him, What should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it's my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried to the Lord, Oh Lord, please do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. For you, O oh Lord, have done as you please. Then they took Jonah, threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. But the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. Incredible story. First point is this. Jonah ran away from the Lord. Now Jonah was running away from the Lord because he did not want to submit his heart to doing what God told him to do. God told him, for whatever reason, go to Nineveh, and when you get there, I want you to preach that God is not happy with the way you're living. And that if you don't repent, God is going to destroy this city of Nineveh. Now, he did not want to share God's news with the people in the city. 
Now, Nineveh was uh, the oldest and most populated of the uh, Assyrian Empire cities. Even today, it's located on the, near the Tigris River. Actually, where Mosul, Iraq is, is where the city of Nineveh is uh, to this day. So it's been considered a wicked city for a long, long time. And all the time, and in that time, Jonah was asked to go there, and the city was about 120,000 people. And it said it takes about a three days journey to get through the city. So Jonah did not want to go and share what God told him to share with the people. God said, go this way. He went that way. But God wanted Jonah to still accomplish his will. So God put an obstacle in Jonah's way, the storm. And so he put the storm in the way thinking, okay, this is going to help Jonah repent and turn back. But actually, all Jonah did was went down into the belly of the ship and went to sleep. You know, that's what a lot of people do when they don't want to deal with reality. They just want to go to sleep. I'm depressed. Let me go to sleep and hope I wake up and the day will be different. I'm angry. Let me go to sleep and we'll see if it's different the next day. I'm frustrated. Let me go to sleep. A lot of times people think sleep will get rid of your sin. Only the blood of Jesus cleanses us of our sin. But time and again, we want to sleep it off. All that means is that you have to really submit your heart to God. Trust God before we'll be able to get out of our situation. See, in your heart, you can be running from God even though you're physically in church right now. Just because you're a Christian does not mean you're not running from God. Let me give you an example. There was a brother that that called me this week because he had some things on his heart that he needed to talk to me about. And I appreciate it. Felix, he called me and said, hey, we need to talk. So we got together and we talked about things and, and we worked it out. And it wasn't a big deal. Nobody was arguing or screaming. But he just said, you know what? This is bigger than you and me. This is about the church. So I want to make sure we're unified on this situation. I mean, people, people will sit around and have issues and never talk about it. Never talk about it. But claim Jesus is Lord. Take communion and never miss it, but never deal with the issue. I respect Felix more for calling me up to make sure we solve this situation. We worked it out, no big deal. But that's the thing, guys. We cannot sit and run away from situations, even in the fellowship, and think everything is good. It's not good because you've given Satan a foothold now. You've given him something to cling on to, to have attitudes with. If he didn't resolve this, how can he come to church every Sunday and hear me preach and feel good about it and be different? It's not going to happen. you got to make sure you are resolved with people. How are you going to take communion if you got an attitude with the usher that's passing it by? Give me that truck. This is for Jesus. That makes no sense. You got to look, am I resolved in my heart or am I running away? Because there are some people, you may have an attitude with somebody and they want to fellowship with you and you go another way. See, you can be running from the Lord right now. Jonah finally admitted, look what he said in verse 12. Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that this is my fault 
that this great storm has come upon us. You know, Jonah finally admitted he was running away from God. He finally admitted it was his fault. You got to realize, what he did caused other people's life to be in danger. Sometimes we think it's my business, it's just between me and the Lord. You don't realize how you impact people around you. You got to make sure you are not running from God, that you are dealing with whatever it is that life is throwing at you. Jonah later realized that he had no justification in running from God. We'll see that at the end of the story. But see, many times a day, we feel like we are justified in running from God. In other words, the hurt that happened to me is why I am the way I am today. What that person did to me, you don't understand. Some people are running from God because of fear of the future. Well, if I did that, then I don't know what's going to happen. You're not God. How about we just trusted him and see what's going to happen? I would like to help the AV team, but what if I don't wake up in time to get there by 8 o'clock? Okay, those aren't God issues. Those are your own personal issues you need to deal with. But some people run from God, so they stop praying. Stop reading their Bible. I would, but it's been so long that I don't know if I'm going to be able to get back into it like I used to. It's the same God. Only thing has changed is you. You got to understand, Jonah was running away from God. And you, as a Christian or a non-Christian, can be running away from God as well. Even when this catastrophe occurred, these men, they tried to solve it themselves. First, they threw stuff overboard, try to lighten the ship. Then they tried to roll back. Oh, we'll roll back. You know, there's many times we'll try to handle situations ourselves instead of taking a note from my brother Juan and just go to God in prayer. Let me call and say, hey, pray for me also. Hey, we can't handle everything ourselves. They thought they could handle this themselves, and the more they tried themselves, God made the storm even more fierce. You ever start trying to do it on your own, and then it just seems like you get deeper and deeper into a hole? Because God is trying to get you to repent. But we are still trying to do it on our own. We cannot get the job done by ourselves. Then it says in verse 17, But the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish for three days. Now let me talk about this for a minute. (laughs) He provided a great fish. The word whale is never used. That's what everybody thinks. A whale swallowed Jonah. It didn't have to be a whale. You know, there was a catfish that was caught in Thailand, 646 pounds. It was nine feet long. It could have been a catfish that swallowed Jonah. We don't know what it was, but it was a friendly fish because it was from the Lord. All good and perfect things come from the Lord. This is a holy fish. But here's where people make a mistake. People think God put Jonah in that fish to discipline or to punish him. Because he didn't obey. Because he was running. I don't think that's true. I think God put him in that fish to protect him. Why? Because you don't know what Satan had in store for him. It could have been a shark coming up. Or the Leviathan coming up to kill Jonah. 
So God said, let me put him in a fish to keep him safe and protect him because I still need to use him for something else. See, so many times we look at things and think God is disciplining me. God is punishing me. God is angry with me. Maybe God is protecting you because something worse is coming your direction and you don't even see it coming. God said, point A is the ship, point B is land. How's he going to get there? See, we got to understand, God may be trying to teach you something as well as protect you from something even worse. Isn't that what he said to the guy in the gospel in the book of Jire where it says, stop standing or something worse is going to happen to you? See, we got to understand, this is what God is trying to do. He's trying to help us. But sometimes we have... What nerve, but we have nerve to get frustrated with God because things aren't going the way we think it should go. And all the time, he's actually just protecting all of us knuckleheads from something worse. And he's not really angry at us anyway. He's being protective of us. First and foremost, Jonah ran away from the Lord. If you're not a Christian, if you're not a disciple of Jesus, don't run. Study the Bible, find out what you need to do, and make Jesus Lord. If you are a disciple of Jesus, stop running from investing in God's church. There's a lot of ways you can invest. The AV team is just one way. You can be an usher. You can be just a happy Christian in church hugging everybody. We don't want you coming to church and be, all right, good morning. I ain't had my coffee yet. Coffee should not determine your spirituality. You've got to look at this thing. So first of all, Jonah ran from the Lord. If there's any relationship you need to resolve, resolve it. Quit running from resolving the relationships in the body of Christ. It says unify, one body working together. That's what we must be. Now I'm preaching it to you, but it's up to you to do it. Because we can all say, amen, brother, preach on, you right. And then walk out here and don't do it. Check yourself before you wreck yourself. And make sure you're resolving what needs to be resolved. Amen? Point number two. Chapter two. Jonah ran back to the Lord. First he ran away from the Lord, but then he ran back to the Lord. Chapter two, verse one. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God. He said, in my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From the depths of the grave, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the deep, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled around me. All the waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again towards your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. To the earth beneath barred me in forever. But you brought my life up from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord. And my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. But I, with the song of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. Salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry ground. Point number two again. Jonah ran back to the Lord. 
You know he said in verse 8, those who claim the worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. Forfeit. That means something that you have, but you lose it. You give it up. So here's a question. What worthless idols are you tempted to hold on to? What worthless idol? What did you repent of in becoming a Christian that is now tempting you to come back to? Those friends tempting you to come back to the club. Your old girlfriends tempting you to talk bad about your husband. Your old hangout buddies tempting you to, to, to cheat on your wife. What are you being tempted to come back to? Just your sinful nature tempting you just to be lazy, to do nothing. I don't feel like getting up to read and pray. I'll just make it just on time. What, is, what are you being tempted to give up the grace of God for? I read a quote once. It says this. Sometimes we are so busy looking for the flaws that the flaws are all we ever see. If you go and you're looking for something negative, you're going to always find something negative. You know, I wonder why Jonah was in the fish for three days. And here's my thoughts. I'm not a, a, a biblical historian. I'm not saying this is biblical. These are my thoughts of why he was in the fish three days. One is because he was three days from land. The ship was out there in the storm. Maybe they were just so far away, he had to be in there three days before he could reach land. Secondly, it took three days for Jonah just to humble himself. Think about that. He's in this fish, and he's talking about the seaweed wrapped around him. That's intestines. He inside a fish belly. You know what's in the belly of anything. He got intestines. He got other dead fish. He got all this seaweed. He got all this stuff around him. So first, he's probably angry inside the fish, thinking he's going to die. Then he realizes he's not going to die. Then he's got to work through those frustrations. I mean, it, maybe it took him three days just to humble out and say, you know what, God? I, I'm good. I'm done. I'm done fighting. You got me. I don't know. And maybe this fish... With Jonah inside, was right up on the shore the whole time, just swimming back and forth, waiting for him to repent. Who knows? I don't know, but it was a fish. It wasn't a whale that I do know. Here's a question. For whatever reason, he was in there three days before he humbled out. How long are you going to sit in the belly before you humble out? Three days, three months, three years, 30 years? How long before you humble out? Husbands, how long before you humble out and treat your wife as a partner, not as somebody to step on? Sisters, how, how long before you quit back rubbing your neck and moving around when you talk to your husband? What's for dinner? What you think for dinner? What you could? Can you answer a question without moving your neck? I mean... They've been asking you for years to study the Bible. When are you going to humble out and say, yes, you know what, I'll do it. Amen. How long? See, he was in the belly three days before he humbled out. you got to ask yourselves, how long is it going to take me? You know, Sam gave a challenge a couple of weeks ago at our congregational service. He said, we got 90 days left for the end of the year. Well, now we got 77 left. And the challenge is still the same. Don't miss church service, not a midweek, not a mission team meeting, nothing. 
Don't miss a contribution. Make sure you give every time we're coming together to give. And don't miss a quiet time. Over the next 77 days, which should have been 90, but 77 days to the end of the year, don't miss anything. Be a part, be unified. Why? Because we need to get our focus back on God. Some of us need to get out of that belly and get back into the fellowship the way we should. But it's only going to happen when we surrender and pray to God. Amen? Third point, chapter 3. Jonah ran with God. First he ran from God, then he ran back to God. Now he's going to run with God. Chapter 3, verse 1. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was a very important city. A visit required three days. On the first day, Jonah started into the city. He proclaimed, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overturned. The Ninevites believed God. They declared a fast and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. When the news reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. Then he issued a proclamation in Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let any man or beast, herd or flock, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not be punished. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he had compassion and did not bring upon them the destruction he threatened. Point number three is that Jonah ran with God. You know, sometimes we don't realize who we're dealing with when we get stubborn. God could have destroyed 120,000 people just like that. But instead, he said, I'm sending Jonah to preach. And Jonah did such a good job in preaching that everybody repented. Not only did the king repent, he said, give my royal dog and put some sackcloth on him. Put some sackcloth on my royal cow and my chickens. Could you imagine what it looked like some chickens walking around with some sackcloth on him? He said, everybody's going to repent. I don't care who you are or where you're from. You're going to repent. And we just need to pray that God will be gracious. You know, God is a gracious and a forgiving God. And when we actually repent, he actually relents. You know, it is important for us to remember, Jonah preached the word, people heard it, and repentance occurred. That's how God works. We need to stop doubting God, stop wondering if it's going to ever happen, stop waiting for it to happen, then we jump on the bandwagon. We just need to trust in God and preach what God wants us to preach. Amen? Amen. And then fourthly and finally, Jonah ran ahead of the Lord. He ran away from God. He ran back to God. He ran with God. Then he started to run ahead of God. Look at chapter 4, verse 1. But Jonah was greatly displeased and became angry. He prayed to the Lord, O Lord, is this not what I said when I was still at home? That is why I was so quick to flee to Tarshish. I knew you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sin and calamity. 
Now, O Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. But the Lord replied, Have you any right to be angry? Jonah went out and sat down at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, sat in the shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord God provided a vine and made it grow over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the vine. But at dawn the next day, Jonah provided a worm which chewed the vine so it was withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind, and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, it would be better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, do you have a right to be angry about the vine? I do, he said. I'm angry enough to die. Good thing it wasn't one of us as God, huh? Because he'd have been, boom, done. Verse 10, but the Lord said, you have been concerned about the vine, though you did not tend to it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and many cattle as well. Should I not be concerned about that great city? Interesting thing. In verse 2, first of all, Jonah says, He prayed to the Lord, Lord, is this not what I said when I was still at home? That is why I was so quick to flee to Tarshish. Now, just listen to how dumb this excuse is. God, I know you are such a loving, compassionate God. That's why I didn't want to follow you. You are too loving and too compassionate for me. That's why I didn't follow your will. Are you kidding me? That is not the reason why he did not do what he wanted to do. But later on, we find out the real reason why. Because it was about Jonah. It wasn't about God. It was about Jonah. And see, here's the thing. Jonah didn't realize that when you make your enemies your friend, you've destroyed your enemies. See, this is the Old Testament. And that's all they thought when they thought about their enemies. And Nineveh was an enemy for him. You destroy your enemies. You kill them. Well, God didn't kill them. He was gracious and compassionate. So this upset Jonah. So really, it was the fact that God didn't do what Jonah wanted him to do. But Jonah needed to understand, you know, you help somebody repent and live the right way, you have destroyed your enemies. Now they're your brother or sister. And see, Jonah got confused about that. Jonah started pouting. I knew you wouldn't destroy that city. You made me look like a fool. I've been here preaching for three days. How are you going to destroy the city? It was all about Jonah. And that's why he didn't want to follow him. But you know what? God taught him a lesson. He made the vine grow, covered him, protected him. Then he had the worm eat it up. Jonah had nothing to do with that vine. But he was upset with what God did. You know, amazing thing about this, this is kind of like the the prodigal son story in Luke 15. Because in the prodigal son story, when when the son comes back home, they're having a big party, but then the other brother gets upset. Why are you having such a big party for him? What about me? And that story ends with the dad trying to console the older son to being grateful. This story ends, we don't know where Jonah is. All we know is God ends 
uses this story trying to console Jonah to understand, listen, I am God. You're not. You need to be grateful. You need to look and be happy people repented. Quit worrying about you and think about what other people have to go through. So this story is just the same, trying to get him to just reason to common sense and be at peace with what God's will is. You know, many times we get upset when other people are being blessed in one way or another. We get a little bit envious, a little bit frustrated when things don't always go the way we think they should go. But God has said, you didn't create that. You didn't make it. You didn't solve the problem. How about you just be happy with the fact that I am involved in this and I'm going to take care of this. Guys, this is what we've got to understand. We've got to learn to trust. We've got four options. We can run from God, not follow his will, not have quiet times, not have prayer time, not be committed to God. We can run away from God. We can run to God. In other words, we can repent. We can get things on. God will forgive if we repent from the heart. See, there's a difference in repenting of actions and repenting from the heart. You can go to somebody after this and say, you know what, I'm sorry about my attitude with you. We all good, right? We good? Cool. I'm out. That's like actions. Is that really from the heart? See, when you say, do you forgive me? And that person says, I forgive you. You have closure now. It's no longer need to be brought up. But the fact of just saying, do you forgive me for my attitude? That's a humbling thing to do. Or thirdly, we could run with God. You know, do God's will. And see what God brings about. Or fourthly, we could run ahead of God and start complaining, getting angry, getting cranky. How come nobody ain't volunteered for the AV team yet? All these men in the church, ain't none of them doing nothing. There are no good men outside the kingdom and inside the kingdom. Seriously? We can get upset about every little thing if you're looking for it. So, how is your story going to end? Are you going to run from God today when we're done? Are you going to run to God today? Are you going to run with God? Or are you going to run ahead of God? The story is simple. Jonah, four chapters. I'm sure we've all heard the story of Jonah one time or another. But the story of Jonah is really to help us see God is in control. God is not out to punish and kill us. He is out to protect us in many ways that we don't even see or realize. But it's all to get us to repent, to turn back to him, and to continue our run for the prize. Let us do that. Let us throw off anything that hinders, but let us continue with perseverance to run the good race and to God be the glory. Amen.